the Monday after Henley is called Black Monday. It's like the worst day of the year. You're on a massive come down after like only thinking about racing for so long. So the only way to cure Black Monday is to go and get like a brunch with all your mates. I was sitting um, outside in Copper Club in Henley with a few of the other Brooks girls. The waiter was like, oh, are you rowers? And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. He was like, um, do you guys know this person? Um, She's called Susie, I think. And like, apparently she won twice in one day yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, that's uh, actually me. And this poor lad was like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Hey, what is up? Welcome to Last Show Counts. Seeing us is Henley Women's and Henley Royal coming up very soon. We thought of no one better to bring on the show again than Susie Deer, who's a multiple winner in both of those events. But quick announcement before we get into the show, we are still doing our Concept2 Model D giveaway. So if you wanted to enter and help us support Jim Ronaldson and Ian Davis on their incredible pursuit across the Atlantic Ocean, just go to rogear.com slash giveaway. So let's get into today's episode. Nice to have you back on the show, Susie. Thanks for having me again. First time we've had someone back, which is which is pretty cool. Um, we've always talked about it, but definitely there's always there's always more to be talked about than than your origin story, which is which is how everyone sets out. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Seeing as you've won both multiple times, you know, a good one to to come and talk to about it. Mul- multiple is generous, but I'll, I'll take it. I mean, is it true? <laughs> is what matters. Well, what 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 defines multiple? More than one win. Yeah, it's true then. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So we've also been running a little regatta circuit recently. So you might have seen us at Nat Schools or Met Regatta, where also Susie came into the Rogia tent to, to sort of like help us out. Or my bully dog, the lovely black yeah. Labrador. Yeah. And we've been trying to give that row machine away, but no one believes us that it's only five pounds. Yeah, it's a raffle, guys. It's called it's called a raffle. We are going to give it away. Someone is going to win it for five pounds. And at the moment, we're only on about... 40, 50 tickets? Something like that, yeah. So at the moment, it's like a 1 in 50 chance of winning a row machine for five. And it's actually going away in, I think, three weeks is the day after Henley Regatta. So I just wanted to say, yeah, thank you so much for like, the support that we've received from all of you at the Regatta. And thank you for all the nice comments about the podcast. Definitely adding more fuel to the fire to keep those episodes coming. But let's focus on today's one. Yeah. So let's go with Women's Henley first. Then your experience... In general, maybe first time you first time you got to it. Um, my first time at Henley Women's would have been in 2013. Um, raced in the Academic Eight with Oxford Brooks. Um, it actually feels like forever ago. <laughs> ten, my first time racing Henley Women's was ten years ago, which, yeah, crazy. Yeah, so I remember it was like the big build-up. Obviously, we knew that we weren't going to be racing at Henley Royal. At the time, there was no student event at Henley Royal Regatta. So the main event of the season of the year was Henley Women's. And, you know, back back in the day, um, in 2013, there was no women's squad, really. Um, there was only seven of us for the eight, so we had to recruit our eighth person. And we didn't even know if we would qualify. You know, I can't remember how many had to do the time trial and then how many places there were for the actual racing. But I remember doing the time trial and just being like 
so nervous. I just thought, oh my god, like, like this is it. Like, it's we, we've got we've got to get through this time trial. It was so windy, <laughs> like a proper Henley headwind all the way down the course. Anyway, did the time trial. And then we were all just waiting on the picnic benches. So at Henley Women's, the way they'll announce, I think same as Henley Royal, the way they'll announce the qualifying crews from the time trial is um, on the tannoy. Yeah. And it's in alphabetical order. So you're sitting there being like, A, D, C, D, okay, Winnerly, Winnerly coming. And um, yeah, they they read out Oxford Brook. So we were all like just so happy that we qualified for the race. And then... Yeah, got it. Got back in the minibuses. Went went back to Oxford, and the boys um, were so sweet. I remember they said that if they if we qualified, they would cook us dinner that night. So the novice men's eight. So there were there were two two novice eights. The novice men's eight and the women's um, novice eight. Which for the women that was actually the entire women's squad as well. So it wasn't just the novices. It was it was it was all Brooks had at the time. And um, yeah, we had a had dinner that night and then um, on to racing the following day. And I actually can't remember who, I know it, it was UCL. Um, they knocked us out in the first stage the next day. So when you said you recruited, did you composite or did you, no, you so, taught someone to row from scratch that year? No, so it was um, at, at the time, Oxford Brooks, there were... Um, just just before I arrived at Brooks, there was a pretty good but very small women's squad. And most of those girls, um, I think, either went to Leander or went on to the British team. Um, and then there were a few girls that just retired. So we managed to persuade one of the girls to to come back. Pull, pulled out of retirement yeah, exactly. at the age of 21 or something. That's yeah. unheard of in rowing, pulling out of retirement for a last-minute race call. Out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's happened too many times. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that was my first time down the track. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a long time ago, um, but very, very happy memories. Of How does it compare in terms of like pretty much the whole course is out, same, same starting, you same on the same starting platforms and things like that. Obviously it's, yeah. it was a bit shorter. So Henley Women's is, is short, much shorter than Henley Royal. So it's just under 1500 meters. Oh, it still is. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a significant chunk shorter. And then when you go to do Henley Royal qualifiers the week after, going through the Henley women's finish line thinking, oh my God, I've still got like 600 metres to go, <laughs> isn't a good feeling, but you just got to finish through it. Um, so yeah, everything's pretty similar in terms of just sight. You know, you're racing down the booms, um, exactly the same as Henley Royal, but you're just, just finishing a bit earlier. Um, it's not quite as busy, um, not as many crews out on the water, not as many um, like pleasure boats and stuff like that. Um, it is still exceptionally busy, but just not super, super busy. Like what? It's still a draw. It draws from all over the world. I remember, yeah. Yeah. like, because a bit when we lived in Henley, obviously we're like in the run up to Henley Regatta. We're not going out on a thing, but like you're walking home and you're just seeing like yeah. of women and like, yes, people from all over the world. Yeah, the world. Yeah, literally a lot. A lot of um, crews from America will come over. Uh, Australia. Um, I've also raced the Henley Women's with with Sydney Rowing Club actually, oh, which was awesome. which was pretty cool. Um, when I rode in Australia for a year, came back and raced with them, and then ended up just just staying. Um, so yeah, there there is big entries from from all over, um, especially when um, it's not an Olympic year. You yeah. get lots of people wanting to come, um, and, and presumably now because you can do 
a lot of those crews then can, can go on and row at Henley. Yeah, exactly. Like for one. Yeah, so there, a lot of internationals will come over and race Henley Women's and then Hollenbecker and then um, Henley Royal the following week. Hollenbecker is in Amsterdam. I remember, uh, this is a weird, I just thought about this the other day. Um, before, when I started rowing, before I'd seen anything of Henley, I, all I'd heard was people talking about the booms, like you race with yeah. booms and what's a boom? <laughs> yeah. You get told like a boom is like a big wooden piling and every year they come in and they put them in. And for some reason in my head, like the visual, the the, the way I visualized it was like, oh, so there must be like a line of booms down the middle mm. and the two crews race each side. A I thought it was like that, a separation. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that, that no, it's, it's, um, sorry, if you, anyone listening hasn't seen what the course looks like. So most of the year at Henley, there's obviously the booms aren't in. So in about, at about sort of April time, the regatta will start putting up the course. Yeah, when you train uh, down in Henley, it's literally like 1st of April, you come down to training and there's that, the line of lorries. Like yeah. Massive lorries literally, just queuing. Like rolling up and you're like, okay, it's nearly regatta time. Well, it isn't, it isn't, but it's like literally like yeah, three months. true. And then, so they're, they're probably up for about half the year. Yeah, literally. Um, but anyway, they're not up all year round. I think a lot of people, especially perhaps crews from abroad, think that the booms are up all year round. So if, if, you, if you've never seen what the booms look like, they're these sort of white posts spread all the way down the course with a wooden plank yes in between each boom yeah and they don't they don't break so if if you crash into them you will be the one that yeah. comes out worse than the boom yeah you break um but yeah a lot of a lot of people think that the boom down the middle is what separates either station but both crews race within the booms what did uh, rory called it like the wooden boxing ring or something yeah like because you're like inside you're like having a battle inside this wooden <laughs> cage yeah, no, it's, but I, I think I always think I've had to steer it before and it's always, always a panic having to steer, but it's fine it, because actually there's more space between the booms than what two Boyd lanes are. So there's more space than, than what it seems. It's definitely something that gets like, just because it, because it's so different, it's yeah. certainly gets pushed to the and front of people's it, worries. Definitely. And I think when, you know, if you were to hit a boy in racing, it's not ideal, but it's very recoverable. If you hit the thing, then brown bread. Yeah, yeah, blade could snap, etc. Yeah. Plus, also, it can feel a lot more tighter than than racing in a six lane environment mm -hmm. because other crew can sort of like push you out of your station, yeah. and then you just yeah. always see like well, people trying to like give each other the wash, etc. But that's that's the other thing about um, Henley. I thought for a very long time that it was six lanes. <laughs> so before I went to Henley, before I'd raced. Um, it was really quite close to Henley Women's when I first did it in 2013. I still thought it was going to be a six-lane race. And my friend was like, no, you idiot. Like, it's matched racing. It's just 1v1. v Yeah, it's a weird one because obviously lots of people um, come from sort of a rowing dynasty. You know, like their parents will have rowed. They might have grown up with Henley. So there are a lot of people that are very comfortable with what it is, how it looks, how yeah. it acts. And then yeah. there's also a bunch of new people who are like, this is mental. Yeah. I've like probably made more mental by the fact that it's really weird. But the majority of people are just sort of wandering around like they know exactly what they're doing. And yeah. you're just like, sorry, what? Was, yeah. where, where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. I remember like before I ever first came to England as well, like everyone would talk about like this royal regatta that happens in Henley and there's such a big event. And then I, I, before it was like televised or, or like broadcasters on, you, on YouTube every year. 
I would look at this um, and I just couldn't figure out what type of racing it was. Whether it was a head race, I just saw Cruz passing the finish line and I didn't know whether it was a knockout or what kind of like event it was because like it didn't make sense that it also wasn't a six lane race because you don't really get like that kind of racing outside of Britain. Yeah, so it's, it's a very unique event. Um, so the format of Henley Women's and Henley Royal are both the same. The only difference is that Henley Women's is just shorter. Um so it's a knockout system um to get through to the next round you have to win your race um you know there's no there's no second chance so the way both regattas are ran depending on the event there's a limited number of um entries so if there's more entries than what the event can hold you'll have to do a time trial um once the crews have come through from the time trial you'll then be drawn um into either one side of the draw or the other so it's really cool, actually, if, if especially for international crews coming over, you can actually go and watch the draw for Henley Royal Regatta in the town hall in Henley. And all the crews will be put into the Grand Challenge Cup, I think it is. Yeah. In, it's like something out of Harry Potter. Like It's like, Harry, did you put your name on the Goblet of Fire? Pulling <laughs> 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 out the names, pulling out the crews. Um. There's always, there's also, they have like a chairman's table. So yeah. there's like eight, obviously like, like, Upper class, like grey men. Uh, yeah, but like four of them are like falling asleep because it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the the crews we lit quite literally drawn out of the cup and then placed um, into the racing timetable. So then you progress into the racing stages. Um, and yeah, as I said, it's a knockout system. So when you're race, you get through to the next day, um, and that's sort of how the week progresses. Yeah, they do seed some crews, so um, oh, yeah. uh, they'll look at like previous performance of how you've done. So some top crews will get seeded to make sure that they don't meet till later on. Yeah, um, and then quite often, yeah. So quite often, the crews that come through qualifiers will have a tough, a tough first round. Yeah, but yeah, it's quite the experience that you know you will probably most crews, even you know smaller crews like when I was with school, you're going to probably turn up say like Wednesday or Thursday before, like the week before, have a couple of days paddling, go out on Friday for qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Then if you qualify, um, is it Saturday? That like literally the next day, Saturday afternoon is the, the, is draw. the draw. Yeah. So then you get to go and look at the draw and yeah. then again, paddle around for two or three more days until your event starts. Yeah. Um, and I loved when we did the Thames Cup, I loved doing the five day event. Like that's the one thing I miss so much from then. Obviously, we won it. So then we went into uh, the next year. I was only eligible for intermediate events, which start a bit later. Yeah, yeah. But the five day thing was really. I, I really loved it. I've never done never done the five day. So for women, um, I mean, now there are the student events and there's a few junior events. But for me, I've only ever started racing on like the Friday because yeah. there's I think only eight, perhaps twelve entries for the international events. Um, so for me, that what I enjoy is rowing in like the lunch break and the tea break in the in the days before Friday. Yeah, I mean it's always you know as a when we went in we we won the Thames Cup, so obviously we we entered as a as a seeded crew. So the first few days were very much an easy win, but it was very nice to settle the nerves. It meant yeah. that by the time we came to that difficult race on Friday, we kind of like had, yeah. had found ourselves a little bit. Yeah, a bit um, more comfortable. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's not like it's not like anything else. You know, you see the big tents i mean they have down at henley women's is not as as much of a spectacle yeah so at henley women's um like where you boat from and everything is very different so the the racing format is the same but most other things around it are quite different so at henley women's um you boat around like in the forley area mm. um all the boating racks are outside so what i would say if you're coming over for henley women's like 
try and like sit in the shade and stuff in between your races like find a quiet spot or even like bring your own gazebo or tent or something just so you can find a, a cooler sheltered area to to rest in between races um because unfortunately like we can't use the facilities that Henley Royal Regatta have during Henley Women's so uh, from your experience like some other little like tips and tricks maybe there were some years that you raced that you got it wrong and or some things that you or that your coach is like right we're going to do this like some things to expect um things to expect um at henley women's um you may have to race twice in one day henley royal it'll be one race each day and you progress through the week but at henley women's you may have to do two races in one day so just really have a think about how you're going to recover between the first race and your second race you know it's quite often the case that perhaps your hardest race will be a semi-final mm. if you've got two crew really good crews on the same side of the draw you know i've had it before where actually the semi-final has been harder than the final so just really think about what your rec recovery strategies may be you know make sure you bring lots of food bring lots of fluid where are you going to warm down there won't be room to cool down on the water so like have a pair of trainers with you in a bag ready to go with your food my suggestion would be shove the trainers on make sure you've got something cool to put on like a white t-shirt a cap and get out of the sun and could try and find a shaded area to just walk about your legs there's something i found we obviously always got told uh in elite programs to stay out of the sun stay out of the sun yeah. and i think it's something that gets really overlooked and uh when we coach at oxford colleges it was something that they like wouldn't get in their head like i would be like guys like you're not going to just sit in the sun but why like we're just sitting down like no yeah. it's draining it's really draining and i think you know it's all those small things like staying out the sun am i hydrated have i got some fuel in in me like it's all those little things that together actually give quite a lot of speed. Like you wouldn't just throw away a stroke on the water. So don't throw away like your recovery. Yeah. All that heat can be obviously contributing to like the dehydration aspect of, of why you're going to be like more tired, et cetera. Like if you try to sit out in the sun for a few hours and you're not necessarily going to just be hydrating yourself all the time or just eating sacks, et cetera. Yeah. Like I heard something that huberman dr huberman said about like why if you're sat in the sun your body produces something which actually reduces your appetite as well so if you try to like overeat then you're going to be like more sluggish or like digestive that makes sense because you're not hungry when you're really hungry. yeah that's uh, true that's true yeah i mean and also like you know from my obviously when we started later so when i was in events that started on friday you've got this whole huge event the whole town is ramped up for it everyone's come for it your family's come to to watch and enjoy it but you're but i'm sort of turning up on wednesday morning doing an outing having breakfast and then going home mm. sitting at home in the coolest room um you know before youtube obviously now you can watch them racing but just like being completely away from the regatta and it kind of sucked like you feel like you're missing out yeah. but at the same time it's like if you want to put your best performance in yeah these are the two or three days you just kind of have to give up on definitely i think that's a really good point like it's it's hard to make sure you get the right balance um to between sort of like enjoying the regatta um seeing your mates catching up with people you haven't seen for a while but actually you know if you want to win if you want to do well the most important thing to do is what's best for your boat what's best for your race and more often than not that will be yeah say hi be like it's great to see you i'm just on my recovery walk can we catch up later 
easy, done. You can still see your friend that you've got your the priorities in line. We had that, like, obviously, we've just been in that schools and met Regatta and stuff, so everyone comes past this end, and you see, like, oh, hey, how's it doing? Yeah. You're like, well, I'm just on my recovery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> just yeah. constantly hear that, which is quite funny. Yeah, yeah, but it... It, it it's just quite an easy way to make sure you're staying staying on top of things um, yeah and i also think obviously you said like you know in terms of wanting to win but um i think the interesting thing about about henley because it's such a uh, special event i would say henley women's as well um everyone goes with a name yeah it's not necessarily to win like your winning could be many different things yeah so for me my school my school first date had never qualified they never got to a first round mm. they qualified quite a few times but as a lower crew in in pe always come against um against some big some big schools so that was always the aim and it's quite funny so in 2007 it was like can we qualify like can we get through the wednesday yeah and then 2008 it was like can we win the thames cup yeah yeah but there wasn't a, a huge difference in the way that we approached it mm. because th- they were both the top aim yeah for for the system or the people who I was with at the time. Um, so I think like that's the one where it's funny, isn't it? You see people talk about, you know, oh, you know, we're hoping we're a Friday crew or we're hoping we're yeah. a weekend crew. Like there were all these different levels of, of achievement. Or there'll be people that say, oh, I hope I don't get Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or getting the first out. Yeah. I remember like, I remember like doing like a pre-paddle on a Wednesday morning, like just before the last, the, the first race comes past. Yeah. It's like some PE event and like some schoolboy age just got knocked out at 8, 8.45 yeah, on yeah. Wednesday. And they can't even go out that night. They're <laughs> not old enough. You've raced at Henley Regatta for both Brooks and Leander. Yeah. So obviously the way that you approach the Regatta is different because Leander's just situated in that at the Henley Pontoons and he's got his own like dock and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like almost separated from the the main event. How would you like compare those two experiences and like what's sort of like the difference between them? Oh, good question. Um very different. It sort of ties into what you were just saying, Tom, about what you were aiming to achieve so when i first raced um with oxford brooks in 2016 it was the first time a student crew um from oxford brooks had qualified for the remnant challenge cup so we were just like so thrilled when we were qualified yeah like that was the big that was the big aim like we knew we weren't going to win you know when like the kiwis the australians the canadians are coming over like we're obviously not going to win. Like, I hope we don't win. Because, you know, women's women's international row be going down the drain if the student crew is winning. But you know, um, it it was d- just different sort of aims. I think dictated to how we approached it. So, you know, we went all in on the t- on the time trial to qualify. Um, when I first raced with Oxford Brooks, you know, you're going into the qualifiers not knowing whether you're going to qualify or not. I mean, we knew that if we just did what we'd always done that season, we would be fine. But you don't want to start making solid plans until you know what you're doing. So, yeah, I, I remember when we found out that we qualified, we were just like, oh, my God, like, this is amazing. Um you know, we were just in, in the habit of do your race, derag, let's go. And our coach was like, no, no, you've got to leave your boat in the tent now. <laughs> like, you've got to leave it here. You're racing next week. Um, and then still at the time, you didn't know who you'd be drawn against. Um, so then the next, it was, okay, well, let's sit, wait and see who we get. So, you know, if, if we got the next fastest um, qualifier, qualifier, then we thought, oh, well, you know, we might be able to beat them. But as you said, you don't get, it doesn't work like that. You get put, the slowest ones get put against the fastest ones in the early rounds. That's another thing that's interesting to, to point out. Like, um, obviously, 
you'll know the the draw for the first day of racing. But yeah. after that, you can you can guess at who you think you might get next. Yeah. But it, but a lot of the time, you don't know until don't the end know. of the day, and you also won't know when you're racing until the last race. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, a, another thing to consider. Sorry, mum, but I'm going to throw you under the bus here. The amount of times my parents, in particular my mum, says to me, darling, what time are you racing? I don't know. <laughs> it's the same every year. I won't know what time I'm racing tomorrow until after the last race or today because they don't release the timetable until that day for the following day until that day's finished. So from a social perspective, it is a bit tricky to organise. But um Maybe, I think she's got the hang of it this year. I think she hasn't actually asked me too many times what day I'm racing yet. I used to the one my mum always used to do would she would be like, "Oh, how long do you how long do you get off at Easter?" And I'm like, "No, we don't get." Like, but it's Easter. You must have a few days off. Like, yeah. no, GB rowing doesn't care about Easter. You, you literally have most most years April draft is on Easter on Sunday. Easter, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember one time at Caversham, I think it was around East, it was, I think it probably was around East, it was around what other people would consider a, a general holiday. We weren't supposed to have it, but you're going to come in and said, um, right guys, everything's been going really well. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two days, you're going to have two days off, you'll have a weekend off. Big, big two days. Right. You like enter anyone else, you're like, whatever. Honestly, like I go up to the crew room for breakfast. People are like booking holidays <laughs> with their girlfriends. Like Mo and Noddy are like um, sorting out. They went on like the Eurostar to France where they get like people like, it's like, you. it's like we'd just been given two weeks off. Like the fact yeah. you'd had like two days off together when you weren't expecting it. Everything yeah. was going like, wow, oh my God, I'm going to go away. I'm going to stay somewhere overnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just get really excited. I bet it also like felt like two weeks as well during those two days it does that is the big benefit when you train and work that hard even even when you just get a half day you know when you finish training at 12 it can feel mm. like it can feel like you've got time off it's good fun i think definitely whatever aims you have for the regatta itself will definitely shape your experience around it so obviously when you've been competing for brooks especially for the first time when you qualify for the remenem it was different than at leander when you were expected to win the remenem mm. when you did the um two events in in one day so what else would you say is like different about the experience because obviously like there are different passages i guess in the regatta village if you can call it that you know you've got the stewards enclosure and the regatta enclosure and you've also got like the different crew badges you've got the white and blue tents and that's all like a bit different from the pink palace so yeah i've personally never raced at henley for anyone other than leander so i don't know what that's like so i've raced henley with brooks and also i did um a gb development crew um which also meant we had to um, vote from the tents because it wasn't a full Leander crew. We couldn't vote from the Pink Palace. Um, so comparing those two experiences with when you have the luxuries of the Pink Palace, they're very different. And I'm so pleased that I've had both experiences. Um, you know, with the Pink Palace, you've got all the perks of a warm shower. The, sh the showers in the tent are freezing cold. They're like connected to the mains. The first time I had a shower and I was like, oh, can't wait. I'm going to like wash my hair. And, and I got in and I was like, oh my God, it's freezing. Um, so, you you know, having the home comforts essentially of Leander is is really handy in, in uh, all year round, but specifically, um, especially I should say actually in um, in the racing week. And just like being able to have your gym to warm up in and stretch properly, all those little things are like really quite nice to have during the race. Put the week. music on when you're like warming up on the eggs right before you go off. Oh, we had, now you mention it, we, um, when we were boating for the final of the Remnant in 2021, um, you know, we were all like so nervous. Um, 
And we just put on Unstoppable by Saya. Is that who counts it? Sia? Saya? Sia. Sia. Um, we all know the one. <laughs> and we were literally, all all nine of us were in the gym, like dancing, singing. Like it was the most special pre-race warm-up ever. Like, it, yeah, it it was it was really cool to be able to do that. And I mean, there's nothing stopping you doing it in the tents, but I think at Leander, you feel like, you know, it's your home, you're closed in and you're about to like go out and face it. I've had, I've only, I've done it a little bit with school, but um, I've definitely had people tell me, like try and tell me that Henley isn't Henley without the boat ten experience and that you're missing out at Leander. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Um, so we've had, we've had also like before, I both for my last ever race at Henley, we've had... Uh, Another song blasting in the gym, which I cannot say on a podcast, but it was by Jay-Z and Kanye. For those of you who are going to work it out, I think you know what it is. It's a song about Paris. It is a song about, yeah, people having fun in Paris, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but no, the, the boat the boat tent experience, it is cool. Like, I do kind of agree with... Yeah, there's, things, there's certain things about it. I mean, yeah. um, like so, just because it's being different, you know, the shared changing rooms and, you know, you get to kind of mingle with all sorts of different people. Yeah, don't leave see. your kit in the changing room, though, because someone will miss it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Definitely don't. Yeah, you can sort of, you could walk past, you know, an Olympic champion, Yeah, which is pretty cool. The other cool. thing that uh, I think is quite cool is when you, as you progress through the through the event. It gets emptier. Yeah, yeah, it gets quieter and quieter and more and more boats disappear. Yeah. And it certainly gives you a sense of feeling like, okay, we're getting to like the business end of yeah. this now. Yeah, definitely. And um, what gives me goosebumps is watching crews get clapped out of the tents. Obviously, you do have that at Leander, but just nowhere near on the same scale as what you would get in the boat tent area. Um, Brooks are particularly good for it. Like everyone will pile into the boat tents. Like people are switching their boat t- tent um, competitor passes around to make sure like everyone's in. And you're all there in your Brooks Blazers and just like clacking everyone out and like chanting and stuff like that. Like it's that that's really special. That that like camaraderie around the boat tents is was really cool. I don't think you can overpower Brooks with their 15 crews turning up to Henry Regatta every year. I do sometimes would feel sorry for like the crews they're racing against. They got, you know, like a few parents and like maybe grandma's there and like come to clap them out and then Brooks are like, ah. <laughs> like it's pretty cool. It's good though. It's good to see, and like yeah. you can see that that's it's working. You yeah, know, fostering that that team mentality, um, having everyone come to an event and support each other. I think it's really yeah, it's clearly working with Brooks. And I think it's something that works in general. Mm. Like we spoke before about you know you work harder for your friends, so yeah, the more you can make that, you can more you can make it that way, like the better chance you've got of doing it. Mm. Um, but also in terms of if you have if you're a good crew, I wouldn't really. Yeah, I, mean, I I try not to be bothered, but again, we spoke to Dave Bell about the the time when he managed to make an Olympic champion. <laughs> oh yeah, kind of question who his competitor was because we got like a hundred people out the boat tents and I he um he was I saw him in the gym the other day and he was he re- reiterated that story again. Oh, I bet he loves selling it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet every time he says it, he just throws in like some something else. <laughs> I'd even I'd take that it's funny you're saying that like you remember different details because he said to oh you know yeah we had Nick Middleton playing the trumpet in front of me and then me I had you and your brother carried your boat out for me and I was like oh I'd completely forgotten that me and yeah Arthur. exactly like little bits just keep getting thrown so, in because he's not shorter but he's not short he's like maybe six six one so he chosen like the two six foot seven guys to like carry his boat out and he was just kind of waving to the crowd 
Oh, I mean, that's the that's the story. That's the, that's the legend of the people's champion. I think that's where it really. That's started. where it came from. Yeah, yeah. When Dave gets elected the chairman of Henley Regatta in like twenty, thirty years, I think everyone's going to get the people's champion treatment, okay. or that story is going to be like played on the telly every year. They're going to like mention it in a coverage, probably. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess, and yeah, just kind of thinking about other things that, that are different from from other races, like things that that to look out for, or little cheat codes, little things where you can um, benefit. I would say um, <laughs> bring a spare loo roll with you. <laughs> That's not a bad shout, definitely. Like you know, when when it's not. We, we, like in the early stages of Henny Women's, when like if the portalies haven't turned up, what are you going to do? You need to be prepared. Or like the portalies may be there, but supplies are running low. So if you need some Lero, just bring your own. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good shout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I I got to say this story. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> in my first, maybe it was my second time doing Henny Women's with Brooks, um, and. We were about to boat for um, one of the rounds and our cox was like, Alan, Alan's our coach. She was like, Alan, I really need the toilet. And he was like, well, just go quickly. And she was like, no, I need the toilet. I need a number two and there's no loo roll. And he was like, well, what do you want me to do about it? And she was like, do you think I'll be able to wipe my bum with a tampon? <laughs> <laughs> And he was just like, sure, <laughs> just do what you need to do. <laughs> so bring your own loo roll as well. Uh, there you go. That's the reason why. Um, but no, it's different, and, it, and it's such a high. It's such a such a nervous time, you know. Like it's you constantly. Yeah. The amount of times you visit the loo. Yeah, uh, before a race, it's constant, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing on the. Well, not that needing Lira is not serious, but I haven't got a funny story to go with this one, unfortunately. Just bring loads of water with you. Like, there can quite often be a key for the water tap. Um, so, yeah, I'd definitely, definitely bring a few bottles of water. Don't just bring one. Yeah, extras, things like that. Yeah. No, it's, um, some, it's very, very unlikely to happen, but with the rules, with the rules for Henley Roragata, if you win by less than one foot, they will re row the race. So I do know probably just about every year, at least one crew, sometimes once or twice a crew. I knew a, I knew a couple of people that had to do it. Um, really? it. Obviously thought they only had one race and then finish and yeah. then get told, right, in two hours, you're going again. Yes. And I think on that note, um, just be prepared for anything. Exactly. Like anything can happen at Henley, you know, just whether it's the steering, whether it's something happening in the warm up, you know, you see it every year, just something going wrong. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I saw once like someone's blade snapped in half on the warm up. So their race got pushed back to the end of the day. Um, and I think like, you know, try and have the mentality now in training to just, you are capable of dealing with anything thrown at you. Like if you can create stressful environments in training, it will help you come regatta. Like the warm up is stressful. If you're in a coxless boat, you know, just just getting to the start line in itself can actually be really challenging. You've got all sorts of people out on big pleasure boats, little paddle boards, like just dog will be swimming in the river. Like it all goes on. So I think just really try and be ready for every anything and be confident that you can deal with anything. You yeah. Know, just take it all in your stride, stroke stroke by stroke. Um and yeah, just just think that you're you're bulletproof ready. 
Yeah. I do not envy the people that have to steer on the way to the start line. And I have had to do it like one year. It's, you can't even like focus on what yeah. you're going to do. You're just trying to basically, it's like something out of Mario Kart it's course that you're trying to get to the start line. Morg would say that all the time. She'd be like, right, girls, seatbelts on. We've got a game of Mario Kart coming up. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be me next weekend and stressed about the steering, but hopefully it'll be all right. I think the thing you need to think about is that although it's, for most people, the pinnacle of the season and it's the uh, race that they're looking to put the most, you know, their best performance down, you need to understand like the restrictions of the event and where you are. And mm-hmm. I think like if you go out there and inspect perfect flat water and, and no upsets, like that's actually really going to yeah. put you off your game. Whereas what you need to do is what we've done at in cruise. And again, like with Morgan, Morgan's um, cocks me for two, two runs down in the ladies play eight. I should explain the ladies play eight is a men's event. I think it's a bit <laughs> confusing to people who haven't heard it. It's called the ladies plate. It is like a plate trophy. Especially now that you've said that uh, you had a female cocks. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you can have uh, at Henley. You've always been able to have male or female coxes uh, on either side. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a men's event. So yeah, it just um, understanding that you are sharing the river with God knows what. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like there's just so many times it's like you know right it, like blazing like Jack blazing. There's a boat in the way. Okay, the boat's gear. Right, we're gonna go. Ready? No, no, we're not gonna go. There's another yeah. boat. You know, like you, yeah. you're just about to move, and then you're not gonna move, and then another crew gets in your way. It's like having split personality if you're also in charge of making the calls, almost. Yeah, and the swans, the swans always get in the way. Like they will hold you on the start if there are a few swans further down the course, and I quite like it. Actually, it's a very British thing. Like you can't start the race because there's a swan in the way. They're just little things like that. They have like swan swan safety, like catching yeah. things. They'll have like yeah. people. It's normally just like two random RC- RSBCA guys with like a plastic fag or something, like trying to like <laughs> shoo them off the course. Thank God there's no klaxons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like that. But yeah, no, I think it's it. Um, and the other thing, you know, having the booms, having having wash from all these pleasure cruisers and things like that, it's um, understanding that you're putting your... The, everyone's subject to the same conditions. Mm. So like... Don't get stressed because you haven't had the the race warm up, the perfect race warm up, because yeah. everyone would have had the same thing. Yeah. But also, don't let that take away from. It's always got to be about putting the best performance down uh, available on the day. Yeah. Not putting down the perfect performance. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and ju- just uh, I think another thing to be aware of at Henley is obviously you've got to steer down the course and to steer straight. You know, whoever's steering will will be aware of how close they are to the boom or to the other crew. But just keep an eye on the umpire as well because they will um, guide you. So if you're coming too far off your station, they will say, Leander, point back over, just little things like that. You know, you don't you don't want to piss off the umpire by being on the wrong side of your station. And here's one which I thought everyone knew. I thought everyone knew that you do not make a sound from the umpire launch. Yeah. <laughs> Like we were always told that normally it's only a coach you get one or two tickets for the crew like maybe a coach a spare athlete or a parent might go in the launch but when you're in the umpire's launch you do not signal in any way to the crews mm. and this happened in 2016, 2016. the ladies played final the ladies played final Leandros versus Leander Leander versus Neros and interestingly it's one of the first years they had the all the full footage were you in that crew? no no so this was, so this was this was the year after I retired and was like, oh, should I have had another go? Should I have had another go? Um, and then uh, Leander went and won it, obviously, in strange circumstances. Um, but but it shows anything can happen. Exactly, right. Yeah. And I, at the end of the day, um, you know, we 
did I watch it back with you the other day? Yeah, we watched back the footage. It's it's really damning, and I can I can I can understand maybe how, why the coach like wasn't necessarily thinking about what he was doing. Mm. I'm not convinced. Mm. I think I think you can see that maybe. But but whether he was or wasn't signaling, the, the rules are really clear. So if anyone is getting on a coaching launch, you've got to remember, uh, you, know, you can't scream or shout or, or wave your hands at all. If you want it, if you're that kind of supporter, get on the bank, go up, get a ticket to a regatta enclosure, and go and scream. And to be honest, he didn't even like do it once or twice. It was I happened like four, five, six times. I think we tried to count it. So. God, that was that was sad, wasn't it? Like it was mixed, mixed emotions, really seeing that unfold. I guess, Bru, like, on the one hand, like, so brutal on the crew because, in terms of the steering, it was it was, as far as I'm aware, it was deduced that they they hadn't impeded Leander. Mm. So ignoring what the coach had done, technically they had legally got to the finish line first. So the yeah. crew, yeah, had won the race, yeah. But the other the other side is the rules are the rules. Exactly. And, and I said this to Pete when I showed him, I was like, I just thought everyone knew that. Like, yeah. like it's just a big one that you get told. Mm. So I, I was going to ask a question, but this kind of like perfectly precedes it, which is what are some of the biggest no-nos at Hendy Regatta that you should avoid doing? So number one would definitely be be quiet in the, in the umpire lounge. Yeah. Don't swear when you're racing. No swearing at all. Yeah. Uh, even from the cocks. Yeah. yeah. Squeaky clean. Um, another one. Do not is... play rap music from the Coxbox speaker. <laughs> I've seen some crews do that. I um, think just just be respectful, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's they're looking. Good rule of thumb. They're looking at a little, like a little bit more manners. So crews will get told off if on the start line they start giving each other jip. Like I've been in, like I've been at other other races before where crews will maybe like shout, say like you knew someone in another crew, you might be like. Oh, Webby, you're a dickhead or whatever. Mm. Like, you don't want to do that, Henry, because you're very close up to the umpires. Mm. And, you know, they don't like Webby, you're not a dickhead, brother. Who's <laughs> <laughs> a good mate? Um, and then, particularly uh, on the finish line. So, you want to be re- you want to be respectful when you cross the finish line. Yeah, three cheers. Yeah. So, I've had um, one, one year we, we beat Harvard and I had a guy called Ben Duggan racing. I think we said this before, but I had a guy called Ben Duggan racing uh, with us in Leander and he'd been at Brown. And the American News don't like Harvard because Harvard always wins. They always want to beat Harvard and he'd got close, but I think never beaten Harvard. So we crossed the finish line in front of them and he reaches out with his arm and points at the crew and screams like redemption. <laughs> oh no. Uh, and gets called up to the stewards and says, if you ever do that again, you won't be racing. You're disqualified, yeah. Um, so normally the 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 cases that I know of, I think there's another famous one with Matt Pinson when before they crossed the finish line racing in the pairs, he took his hand off. So he comes through the finish line, one hand on the oar, like pump pump fist pumping the air. And then uh yeah, that was considered to be like not sportsman behaviour and he was called up and told not to do it again. But yeah, if you did something really bad, if you let your emotions get to you, there's there's another chance that you could get disqualified on that. So yeah, definitely before and after the race, being respectful, not swearing. I've seen after Vicky Thornley's race in a single, um, one of the women started doing this after she beat her. I seen like trying to pretend that she's got a binoculars. Binoculars, yeah, just trying to look for her because she was apparently that far ahead, which she wasn't. It was like two lengths. Right, that's so, funny. Yeah. yeah, that's quite that's quite a nice thing I think about Henley about like it's just keeping it all respectful. Like I said, three cheers is really important in 
for most crews, when they finish, um, they will go and shake hands. Yes. So maybe yeah. unless something something has put, I have I have once been in a in a crew where the people we beat wouldn't come and shake our hands. It is what it is. Mm. I'm not going to say who that was, but um, in general, yeah, you know, even even if it's um, you know you, you're not in the boat tents, like so with Leander, you'll always come walk come around, around yeah, tents, go and shake hands and stuff. And I think. Like tensions always high in the water, but I think that's the it's a really nice thing to do. To yeah, you know, you've been and battled each other, so that's a nice thing to do, and that's something. It's not a written rule, but that's something that everyone does. What's the other the other unwritten rule would be the the amount that you win by. Oh yeah, and the, and the way that you win. Yes, yes, definitely. With them um, in the early in the well, I don't know. I'm mean, possibly interrupting you here and saying something different, but if you're in the early stages, you obviously want to save as much energy as you can for the for the finals semi-finals when it starts getting harder so if you're a crew that is a few lengths up um in one of the pre- preliminary pre- preliminary that preliminary that <laughs> rounds um and you want to start taking it down a bit on the rate and effort just do it in a in a reasonable way yeah. if you yeah. paddle over the line it's not good not good sportsmanship yeah, so I think that's that's the other thing. Is again, it's like I think these again are slightly more unwritten. Although um, I should imagine you could sort of get pulled up for a warning. You, I've known crews to be pulled up for not being sportsmen. Yeah, so it's the yeah. sportsman behaviour. So generally, the the finish margin will get called up to five lengths. So you've won by a canvas half a length, one, two, three, four, five. A win of over five lengths is considered easily. So the mm-hmm. verdict will be given easily if you're leading a race by five lengths or more certainly coming to the closing stages, the expectation would be that you don't push out for yeah. more. And I mean, that that suits most crews because you've probably got a race tomorrow, so you're not going to want to do that. Um, but then in terms of uh, not beating someone by too much, you can't also... I've seen another crew doing like pause strokes for mm-hmm. enclosures. Like you're going to get in trouble for that because then you're kind of, like you say, being disrespectful to the crew. Yeah, yeah. So it's about taking the pressure down, taking the rate down a little bit. But... Don't try and embarrass anyone. You don't need to. If you've won, you've won. Yeah. You know, you've proved you're better than by one. So you don't want to be going like, okay, let's do rate twenty half slide pauses for the night. Yeah, definitely. I think just just generally, I think the rule of thumb is be respectful. Like yeah. treat people how you would want to be treated. Yeah. Um, have good sportsmanship. You'll be fine. What are some other big no-nos that potentially aren't to do with like official rules at Henley and sort of like the the behaviours, more sort of like with what you should avoid doing if you're racing? Don't that, go like, don't go out on the piss the night before you race. <laughs> Sorry, say that again, but louder. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's always someone um, top of the fuck up list, as Brooks would say, not for Henley, and go out on the piss the night before a race, I've and get that. enticed in, and then you turn up hungover, like trying to cover it up, like, oh god, what have I done? Do you remember the the one? I guess it must have been about 2015. Uh, there was a year when some of the Brooks lot went uh, out again, and, and yeah, again, and two of them didn't get back in time, and Henry was like, "Find your own way home." So <laughs> it was actually my ex boyfriend. Okay, here you, you can tell the story better than me. Oh god, yeah. It, um, so we'd raced at Ghent. I think it was the first time or one of the first times Brooks had put a few eights in front of Leander's first eight. And, um, you know, awesome day to be part of Oxford Brooks. You know, we all go back to the hotel, fully paid for trip by Brooks. I think Spratley said it cost the club five grand to take us all out there. So, you know, really awesome that they did it. We went back to the hotel, 
most people, you know, got on their recovery, went to bed, got an early night. And I remember I was calling my boyfriend thinking, this is weird. Like, he's not answering. Like, what's he doing? And this was before, like, you know, like, European roaming and stuff. So you don't call the mobile, you call the room number, like, yeah. from your from your hotel room. And, yeah, I just couldn't get hold of him. I was like, this is this is a bit weird. Like, what could he possibly be doing at the moment? <laughs> and then at about 3 a.m., I heard this, like, commotion outside and um, just thought it was, you know, like, other guests. We, we wouldn't possibly be going out on the piss the night before racing. And then... The next day we um turn up to race and um in the morning I looked at my, my boyfriend at the time and I just thought, You look really unwell. <laughs> like literally like white. So they've told, they've not said anything. No one's no one's ratted them out at this point, yeah. And then I don't know who ratted them out or how it came out, but anyway, it came to Henry's attention that a group of the lads went out on the piss and were like not just a bit hungover, but like actually quite unwell. <laughs> well, Royally hungover. Yeah, like obviously hungover. And I'll never forget it. Henry stood up and um, just gave us an absolute bollocking, and that was the that was it at Brooks. Like if one person messed up, everyone got told off. Like we win together and we lose. Together. Yeah, one for all, all for one. Yeah, it's on, on one of their promo videos, the lyric is "Make the mistake and I'll take the blame," and that is Brooks to a T. So we all get a bollocking, and then. He then starts crying because he's so annoyed and upset. You know, seeing a grown man, your head coach, cry in front of the whole squad. Like, he was really quite upset by it, to be honest. And yeah, he then said, um, one of the guys was never allowed back to Brooks. Um, one of the guys wasn't allowed to race. And the other one had to race. And if he didn't win, he had to make his own way home. <laughs> he did win and he came back with us on the coach. But yeah, it was quite... Um, quite a weekend <laughs> it's difficult it's such a high pressure environment there's so much stuff going on and mm -hmm. like obviously sometimes when you get a huge you know like that would have been a big win big win for them and you do want to celebrate but like we said about henley like there will be a great opportunity to celebrate um the later you stay in the event the bigger yeah and all party will be that you get um yeah, exactly. but yeah and if you can get your performance in first and then party later that's exactly that's a better order yeah yeah so don't go out for a piss tonight before yeah anything else um i would say for me like especially if you're new um don't try to maintain total focus 100 percent because it won't be possible and a really good thing that good coxes do morgan's good for it is that we'll say the first time you go off paddle off paddle down the course get to about halfway get to a manic busy part she'll pause the boat and she'll like, everyone go have a look yeah i'm gonna have a look at our crew go and have a look at what's going on see what's different see where people are see where all these boats are just take a minute take it all in understand that it's all a bit mad and then take the focus back in um mm -hmm. and i would say like certainly um you, you know you're going to be in a really high pressure situation you know you're all going to be really worried so taking that time to just try and like have a think about it maybe another thing you could do uh, say early in the week say if you're racing wednesday or thursday maybe like sunday or monday you could just go for a walk down yeah like if if you're say you're starting later say we're starting on friday maybe obviously now racing is on tuesday you could pick a point on tuesday go for a little walk down the river just see what's different how busy it is things mm -hmm. like that try and get a sense of it because um it will be one of the biggest crowds that you ever race in front of even if you go to an olympics final 
Um, if you're racing at Henley weekend, it's going to be one of the biggest biggest races you ever do. So 200,000 people on Saturday, they say. Yeah, it's massive. So yeah. you cannot possibly just keep the blinkers on yeah. and ignore all that. And I think like on that note, um, we've spoken a lot about like what to expect, what not to do. I think something that we often overlook as athletes is enjoy it. Like it's a really cool event and yes, you want to be professional and yes, you need to be switched on, but make sure that, you know, you do open your eyes and take a moment to think, actually, this is really cool. Like I'm racing at the biggest regatta in the world, the most like famous regatta for sure in the world. And like, just enjoy it. Like, you know, it's, you will be nervous and you will probably wake up the morning of your race thinking, oh my God, like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? I've made really poor life choices to have to be in this kind of pressure at the moment. But that's what it's all about and just enjoy it like I, I keep saying the word but really enjoy it absolutely it's really um it's a really special event and if you qualify for it i think don't without letting that stress you too much also like don't let that get lost in mm-hmm. the fact that it is really special and you know i've been in a situation before when i was uh, talking to an athlete that had pre-qualified but wasn't necessarily happy with how things are going was thinking about maybe not wanting to do that event um and i, I went and had a word with him and i was like listen like I've rode for Great Britain more times than I've rode down this Henley track. Like, it's that special. Mm. Um, and you never know, you know, especially even when you get up to the top end, injuries, illnesses, um, certainly with international racing, like calendar clashes, quite often other races are close mm. around it. GB don't always go. So you're never going to guarantee you're going to be back there. Um, so, like, understand that it's special. Like, take that moment in. And in the same way that nerves... Uh, I would say you want to use nerves to, to understand that you're getting up for this because it means something. Yeah, I do the same thing, like have that little look around, understand that this is a special event and use that to to get the best out of yourself. Definitely. Based on what you said, I I, I had a similar story. I had a choice uh, of, in my first year as a junior, as a J17, I went to trial for Poland in May and I actually came like third in my year group. So I was either going to go to Junior Wells or Coop, but I was told that I needed to stay in Poland for the next few rounds of trials, but that would effectively mean that I wouldn't be able to race at Henley with Leander. And it was a snap decision, but I chose I chose racing at Henley with Leander, and I probably wouldn't change that for mm-hmm. for for the other best because, I don't know, I haven't won a round in another time that I've raced, so that was definitely like a special way to yeah to sort of finish that year and, and mark the presence during my first year like in in england yeah and it is special and it doesn't matter if you've if you've qualified for that event you are part of that event and that doesn't matter what your aim is or how far you're going to get you need to understand that you're a part of it and my school coaches used to say you know there's there's nowhere else in the world where you can go out for a morning pebble and find yourself side by side with the german national it's so cool isn't it yeah it's all of so a sudden cool. you look around and it, it, there's there's someone that you think is a is a hero of yours or someone that yeah. you know has won a medal and there's nowhere else you can do that so yeah. Even if you know results don't go the way you want to, yeah, definitely um, make sure you kind of take a second to to smell the smell the flowers, as yeah. they say, um, and not just let the whole event sort of pass you by. Exactly. If you're not enjoying it, what are you doing? And there are different ways that you can also like, have fun with it. I know of somebody who tried to be the heaviest way and at Henley. Um, oh, do you yeah. know anything about that? Yeah, I didn't get it. 
<laughs> so what did you do? So um, back when I rode at Henley, um, they used to, all your crew used to weigh in. Um, I think we've said that maybe, I don't know if they do or don't do that anymore. They, they didn't do for a few years. But uh, yeah, back uh, back in the ancient times when I was when I was still riding at Henley, um, you'd weigh in. So if you pre-qualified um, any point before before the regatta started, that sort of Monday, like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you could go into the tent shed as a crew, go into the weigh room and they would weigh each athlete. As a men's crew, I don't know why, because obviously you carry the weight that you have. There was a preconceived idea that if you could weigh in very heavy, that you would you would get in the mind of of uh, of the of the athletes you were racing. Um, so we would always try and make sure that we weighed heavy. And this kind of got more and more ridiculous each each year that I did it, to the point that we would drink we drink up about two liters of water, which I wouldn't recommend because you're then like weighing out all your all your basically salts and and dehydrating yourself is not a very smart thing but everyone would sort of drink up two liters uh i'd like i'd soak two all-in-ones in the shower and put on wet all-in-ones like wet socks the lengths people go to uh we would hide like stuff in our all-in-ones like weight and stuff in the all-in-ones like little like the little kind of square bar weights you get on the top of the cable machines yeah we like roll them up in the back of the all-in-one like it's absolutely pointless and ridiculous didn't someone wear Weights vest, or I just cook completely cold just uh, And someone, not a full weights vest, but I know someone who put literally a five kilo weight in their back. <laughs> uh, I think that was like a heavy guy. I think that might have been Phil Turnham, who was who was already the heaviest guy at the competition, but wanted to like cement his place. Um, so he put a five kilo weight in his in his old in what the old boys that were weighing in obviously weren't weren't checking too <laughs> too too tightly. So yeah, we would we would just try and do what we could do but i remember we one year we did it we all drank up and then we went for like an outing right afterwards and we literally had to stop like 15 minutes <laughs> every 15 minutes someone's like i've got to go i feel i need to wait i need to wait so it's not sensible to do and if they don't do it anymore it's probably it's probably a wise thing so what what was the heaviest that you weighed in the heaviest i ever really was as a rower was about 100 kilos and i think i probably weighed in like yeah like 107 108 I um, what's that sort of like seventeen stone? No idea. I don't yeah, think about it. I think about seventeen stone. So um, yeah, cl- probably close to a to a stone or seven kilos more than what I actually yeah. weighed. Yeah, and like I don't know, would it actually rattle anyone? I'm not sure. And at this, like the the fact that people now know a lot more about power to weight, mm. I think when you see a really heavy crew, you might potentially be like, oh, cool, you know, we've actually got something on them we haven't really spoken about stewards like stewards is like a whole nother world in itself yeah i think when you walk into stewards it's like walking into like alice in wonderland like there's a clock on a tree and everyone's in stripy blazers and there's a dress code and you're not allowed to be on your phone and you know there's some really like um like weird rules around around stewards yeah you're not allowed entry if as a man if your shirt isn't fully buttoned up with the tie if it's not like on 100 percent, they will literally just make you change it what i think is quite interesting though is for a female you have to they recently changed it so it's either trousers or a skirt below Mm -hmm. the knee but there's there's nothing that that stays how low cut your top can be so it's a bit of an interesting rule um so no knee but anything else yeah anything else goes um i think there's probably more there is a general dress sense dress i think just be respectful yeah (laughs) yeah um so yeah to break it down so henley um regatta has um on the finish line the sort of last 250 meters is is a separate enclosure 
which you need badges to get in. Um, so they have, this is the stewards enclosure. So the stewards are the, are the people who run the regatta. Um, and then it, you can apply to be a member of the stewards. Um, you put an application in depending on how well you have done at rowing or how involved you've been in rowing can, can depend on how long it takes to get in. Um, who but, you've got to sign it. Yeah, yeah. Who, who you need someone to first and second it. Um, <clears throat> so you become a member of the stewards, you get a little badge, you can go in and you can buy badges for your, for your friends and families and stuff. So it's sort of a more exclusive area. Um, and like Susie said, like there's some more, there's some old school rules there, like not, mm-hmm. not using your phone and stuff. It does feel like a trip back in time for sure. Yeah. It's quite, you know, they have, um, they have, uh, the guy, the kind of guys at the police it, uh, like walking around in like black suits and bowl hats. hats. Yeah. 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 It looks quite almost like kind of. And it's also where the trophies are kept during the week. So you can, yeah, you can go, go and view them, things like that. Um, to know. And then just after that section of, of, of enclosure, then, then for the next sort of 100, 150 meters, they also have what they call the regatta enclosure. So all the competitors can go in and watch. You can also, anyone can buy a ticket to go in there. So you can yeah. still kind of see the final section of the race. Uh, and there's no dress code in there, I think. So competitors can just sort of run up there and they're all in one and, and watch their mate race. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. But then from from 500 to, from the start to the last 400 mm. that's all bank. public that's yeah. public bankers it's very very busy yeah it's there are no dress code you can take your dog take your kids in you know whatever you want to wear and just go and sit on the bank and yeah. most people sit on the bank and just drink their body weight in pins yeah it's nice a good the, here's a big life um henry raw regatta hack i should say if you're going to go and sit on the bank and you want to take some pins or any drink to and like to sit on the bank and and drink throughout the afternoon take a plastic bag and sit right on the edge of the bank and hook put your drinks in the plastic bag obviously screwed with the lid screwed and and like and dunk the plastic bag in the river through your foot and it keeps it cold all day definitely if you want to if you're looking to get a bit merry take your own drinks because they are not cheap do (laughs) what the bank do what my friend big moles does I didn't see it, but I can definitely picture doing it. Um, a few years ago, um, she came to the regatta and um, didn't want to buy drinks all day at various stands and stuff. So she had like a Tesco bag full of pins or whatever. Um, and she hid it in the hedge. And my parents were like driving out of Henley and they just saw Molly just shove her hand in the hedge pull out like a lemonade bottle with like some pins mixed up and they just start drinking it <laughs> like absolutely no shame whatsoever so it's stuff like that you'll see quite often in Henley Week we have um I usually try and on a on a Wednesday go meet up with some guys I rode with at school if they're there and I will just um I don't want to give give away my secret but I won't say where but there's normally some spaces you can park in Henley I can always find like a free space about 10 minute walk away so I have like a little roller trolley and, a, and like an ice box so i bring like an ice box of all our drinks and stuff and then just roll it roll it in nice. and you can just go and sit on the bank yeah and drink whatever you want that's quite yeah. that's quite a good one so we touched upon the mighty stewards enclosure and the regatta enclosure and what it's like down on the bank but what is it like to win Henley? um well in short it's absolutely awesome to win Henley when you've been building up for a race for years or you know that season to cross over that finish line knowing that you won is just awesome like there's joy there's relief there's to be honest sometimes a bit of sadness you're like it's done like i've, I've done it what 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 am i, I going to do now um 
but yeah, it's, it's pretty special. Um, when we um, won twice in 2021 at Henley Royal, it was it was probably the happiest day of my life. Like we finished the Remington final, and I'll never forget it. Like the pre the previous races, I think there was like the women's quad, the other women's eight. Um, Lola had just raced in her single. Um, there there was just so much going on, and all the girls swam out to us. So like pretty much the entire Leander women's squad was either in a boat on the water or in the water, and like. You know, you, like when you win Henley up, um, Leander, like Digby's presented to you on the dock and stuff like that. And it was just awesome. Like all of our friends and family were there. Like it was just a, like just pink everywhere. Like pink, like pink, um, sparkling wine, like, like everything was just really, really special. Um, and I remember we all obviously were soaking wet because we just jumped in and <laughs> all the other girls, um, had swum out to us. And my mum was like, darling prize giving is soon prize giving is in like 30 minutes like you, you're soaking wet like you need to go and have a shower and ross was like our coach he was like well we will leandra basically won everything so it doesn't matter if you're late like literally i think the leander women's squad that year had won six trophies so right. it was pretty cool um and yeah then i think like going in <laughs> like the changing room vibes after that many wins was awesome like all of us just piled in there like singing like having a shower like just trying to get ready trying to make yourself look vaguely presentable i think my makeup was basically coming off my face like as quickly as i was putting it on um and then yeah you know you get given these little like ticket things to go into stewards which is where the presentation is and yeah it's, it's very special and when, when you get given your trophy um there's like someone who guards it I, I don't know what what they're, what they're yeah. called but yeah they literally have to guard the trophy there's this walloping great big silver trophies that are obviously worth loads or, or, and sentimental values is you know massive and for everyone if you think there's nine of you that have just won this trophy you all want to get your instagram picture so everyone's having their little pictures with grandma mum, dad sister and everything and this poor woman's like following this trophy around um so yeah it's it's chaos basically when you win at henley from the moment you finish your race especially if it's in the afternoon in one of the later races um for the rest of the evening it's absolute chaos um henley women's very similar vibes um the thing about henley women's though is obviously like it's different when when you're at leander and being in the pink palace but there isn't a changing room so it's strip off in the minibus, put your dress on, like get a baby wipe, wipe under your arms, wipe your face. Equally as chaotic, um, equally as special. Um, and yeah, just sort of being part of like the prize giving is is really cool. Um, the funny story, um, when when I won twice, um, the following day we went, we, the Monday after Henley's called Black Monday. It's like the worst day of the year. You're really hungover. You're on a massive come down after like only thinking about racing for so long. And you're suddenly like, oh God, like what am I going to do for the rest of summer? So the only way to cure Black Monday is to go and get like a brunch with all your mates and have a debrief about the night before and everything that everyone got up to. And I, I was sitting um, outside in Copper Club in Henley with a few of the other Brooks girls Um and I was just sitting outside having a nice time. All looked like rowers, like we're massive, like eating a massive meal and everything. 
And uh, the waiter was like, oh, are you rowers? And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, did, did you guys race at regatta? And the girls I was with, they um, I wasn't rowing with them at Leander. They're just really good friends from being at Brooks. So they were like, oh, well, you know, we didn't, but, but Sue's did. Oh, no, no, sorry. They said, oh, we didn't, but, but you did, like pointing at me. And then the guy serving us, he must have been about 20 or something, like a youngish lad. He was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, do you guys know this person? Um, she's called Susie, I think. And like, apparently, apparently she won twice in one day yesterday. And my friend Molly, say Molly, who's pulling the, the pims out of the head. Molly was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> she was like, you do realise she's not going to stop banging on about that now. And I was like, um, yeah, that's uh, actually me. And this poor lad was like, Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Oh, he would have made your day. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely made my day. Like, he cured Black Monday for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, there you are. If you went, if you went twice, you might you might be famous and cool up. <laughs> yeah, you definitely will get recognised around Henley a little bit. I can't remember a lot of. I'm just thinking now. Like, there's a lot of it I don't really remember. I think it was such a. I think I probably didn't believe for quite a long time that we'd done it. I actually woke up the next morning and I was crying. I just thought, like, that's never going to happen again. I, and I was, I was really, I was really sad. I remember time. about not with that attitude. Yeah, about three. Pro, there were chances of winning twice again in one day of Priestley. Yeah, three or four weeks before Henley, I had a dream. I had a dream that I, I had that we, I dreamt the Henley final and that we won it by like, like we won it by the skin of our teeth. Oh. And I woke up and I just felt like such relief. It's like, oh my God, we did it. Yeah. And I was like, no, we've got another month. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, no, not yet. And then we won it by so little that I didn't know when we crossed the line, I didn't know that we'd finished. And then it was just like, but did, like, did, did we? Yeah. Did, like some yeah. people are celebrating, did some I people see aren't. That right? <laughs> and then got to the landing stage, I can't remember. I don't, I, yeah, no, it's, it's all a bit of a blur. That's a bit, of a, a bit of a mad one. The night out, I remember the night out, that was insane. Because the late, because two Leander. Most people don't remember the night out. <laughs> I don't remember all of it, obviously, but at two eight one, and we'd been training together. That was like the it was the squad, it was yeah, like the yeah. whole squad had been trained together. So like all of us went out in the bull. Uh, I remember the next morning having to get up and go for a walk because I was just like, got got I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, I'm, in, I'm in serious trouble. Like I had to actually just like go and walk around Henley, <laughs> just at like six in the morning, just like oh my god, I'm so drunk. <laughs> it's a bit of a blur. Yeah. Awesome. So, any last words of advice that you'd say to crews racing at Henley Women's or Henley Royal this year? Just, just be prepared and enjoy it. I think obviously listen, listen to the experienced people that you have around you. There'll certainly be some people in the club that have done it before. Ask questions. Um, now you know you've got YouTube. You can go and watch watch some of those races online. Mm -hmm. You can kind of compare by by looking at stuff like get some information in. Um, take the event in. Make sure there's time for you to take the event in. Take it seriously when you need to. There'll definitely be time to party when you finish. Um, and yeah, if you've got any other questions or thoughts on it, like drop us a message on the end of this on this photo or or hit us up on Instagram. And if there's anything we miss, we'll, we'll go into it. But hopefully that was sort of a whistle-stop tour of uh, of the Henley events and, and what you can expect and what's different. Nice. I would just say that train hard because you never know how close the winning margin is going to be at the end. So you never know. The last stroke might count. So on that note, Easy there. Cue the music.